Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Great beer is about drinkability. Doesn't matter the style. You guys are like walking beer Wikipedia. That's the first time that you've ever accepted me as a person. Or you have a fermentation in your gut. I'm jet propelled at all times. (laughs) How many guys do you think that you have the privilege to slap? Somebody who's never tasted a commercial example. And this is how you know everything about this beer? Please, you don't. I think it's bullshit. I think it's bullshit, too. Wow. Are you guys going to arm wrestle? No. No. We're going to teabag fight. (laughs) You heard of Junkyard Wars? Can I get another high five, Beavis? (laughs) Now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with, well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. Welcome, everybody. It's The Session. We are back here on a Monday night on our original sort of time slot. Well, I guess, you know, Sunday was the original, but original, the post-original time slot of Monday night at 6 p.m. It feels really weird um, to not just be like a Tuesday afternoon or <laughs> Saturday morning or some nonsense like that, but uh, I'm happy to be here with you guys, of course. Uh, Teresa is with me because Teresa just never leaves, and I appreciate that about her. Appreciate it about you, Teresa. I'm here when you need me. Um, you're, you, you definitely are, man. You send beer, you come and hang out on this show. And talk about beer. You're, you're just uh, you should be more local. It's because I'm it's because I'm lonely. I just miss your <laughs> lovely faces. Uh, I don't know if that's lonely or pathological, but I appreciate it uh, nonetheless. Yeah, well, you know, whatever works. And the great Kim Shimke is here for some reason. How are you doing, Kim? We always have Teresa when I'm on because she's my advocate. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I need to be an advocate, and Teresa's it. You really do. You really do. Uh, we do have a good show for you guys, mainly because I have all the beer again, and I'm very excited about it. Uh, we're here with uh, Michael Marquess from Mother Road Brew Company. Beer company? Uh, brewing company. Brewing you know, company. Standard what everyone puts behind their name. Okay. Cause, <laughs> I apologize because it, 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 it threw me for a second because in my head I had beer company. And then I saw on your logo, it says brewing. And I was like, oh, God. And then I, I had I had the classic brain short circuit, and I didn't know what to do. So I just, I failed, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> we debated about it in the early years, too. So okay, cool. All right, good, man. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for joining us, Michael. I, I appreciate you coming over virtually. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Now, you guys are in Arizona, Flagstaff, yeah. Arizona. 
Yeah, up here in Flagstaff, 7,000 feet, Damn. living the good life. Yeah? Are you an Arizona boy, or are you transplant? Oh, God, no. I uh, grew up in Medford, Oregon, and uh, oh. showed up in here for uh, school in 1992. And uh, as some of my professors remind me, you know, 25, 27 years later, I didn't do a very good job of leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Medford, and I've never been to Flagstaff. I've never been to Arizona. I've, I only just learned about it the other day. Medford <laughs> to Arizona seems like a like a culture shock. I've been to Medford. Medford's real cool. I mean, you know, passing through to go to, you know, Portland and, you know, Ashland or whatever, but that's about it. Uh, not too bad, actually. Okay. You know, there's mountains and trees out here. Uh, we're in the largest uh, unbroken stand of ponderosa pines. So there's, huh. there's skiing, there's mountain biking, hiking. Uh, the only thing we really lack is a, is a good river. I do miss that from Oregon. <laughs> what we need here is a good river. So I'm incorrect in assuming that Arizona is, is basically just an extension of Nevada, where it's just flat. You have, no, you have yeah, elevation. Yeah, we've got mountains up here, trees. It's 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 beautiful up in the northern end. Uh, yeah. You get south, you get the, the traditional desert and saguaros and cactus and all the things that you think Arizona should be. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad you have trees. I like that. Uh, before, before we get too far into the beers, I want to uh, remind you guys that our Tasty Tribute show dropped last week where we were all on uh, waxing poetic about uh, the man, uh, the myth, the legend, Mike Tasty McDowell. If you haven't heard that yet, please go check it out. Um, thousands of you have already heard it, and I uh, really appreciate it. Gotten some good feedback on it. And um, it's just, it's one of those really nice communal things uh, that unfortunately we had to do, but uh, fortunately we had to do as well, too, because uh, it, it means that, uh, you know, we had a guy who was as special as uh, Tasty was in our lives. So um, check that out. Um, you know, that's uh, wherever podcasts are listened to. Um, this week, I'm going to be dropping a new uh, Brewing with Style. No, Brew Strong. Jesus, I got my shows mixed up. Uh, new Brew Strong, um, along with this show, too. So we're going to have some more content pushing out to you guys as well. Uh, Michael, what what beer should we start with? Or I, I want to open a, one of your beers while we talk about your story, because I just have so much of it. So how about... Sunday Drive. Sunday Drive, the American Lager. And I'm sorry, Teresa, and um, whatever your other name is, Kim. I'm sorry that uh, you guys can't have any of this. I know maybe listeners at home can't see this, but it appears that you have this, like, tiny desktop fridge. Yeah, so I was telling Michael (laughs) before the show. Yeah, man, it's... uh, Here, let me see if I can... Oh, my gosh. Did you buy that with, like... Use a tax write-off for business purposes. I did not. It's um, it's really a wine fridge. It's a sm- it's a tiny Ooh. ass wine fridge that I think I, w- I think Taryn got it from like credit card rewards points five. I don't know. It's something. I don't even know how we got it anymore. Um, that is, but that it is, is a so, Cuisinart. And I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I think it's cool because um, it's very fancy. Michael yeah. was so nice to send me like a thousand beers. I didn't want to have to keep getting up and showing <laughs> off my my ex- my my excellent dairy air to everybody in the camera to go get more beer. So I thought, well, let's do this. So I like packed an ice pack in it to help it get to temp <laughs> faster because it's just like a Peltier chip. I don't even think there's any Freon in it or whatever. So it's just like air cooled nonsense. It's not supposed to get to forty five. I think it might be smoking after this, but. I don't know. It works, man. I'm excited about it. Looks like it came from the sharper image. 
It does. Bro, I wish it like, did. That would be. I don't know. Should I give you the catalog for this year? I thought the sharper um, image left. I thought the sharper I image didn't was get gone. One of those. I'm jealous. I don't even know how they got my address. I thought they went out of business. Like yeah. I don't know, a decade ago. Bro, I got an Amazon uh, catalog in the mail the other day, and that confused the hell out of me. Like, what, what is Amazon doing sending paper catalogs out to people? It, it, made, it made completely no sense, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it was strange. No, I'll tell you, the kids get a hold of that thing, and they know how to, like, scan the QR code to put things in the cart. Mm-hmm. Like, my cart is full of all kinds of random shit. <laughs> <laughs> tell me that. My kids don't need any more help on Amazon. No, they're good. <laughs> they they know how to search for things. Yeah, you know, it, it is amazing, man, talking about kids for a second. Uh, you know, my almost three-year-old now, she's an expert at phones um, oh, because yeah. she likes to look at herself. So whenever we brush her hair, she likes to watch videos of herself. And we have, like, thousands, as new parents <laughs> do, right? Tons yeah. of videos. And so she looks at baby Alice, right? And she knows how to swipe. She knows how to restart videos. She knows she doesn't know how to make it louder because she's not very smart. But whenever there's like a text message that comes in or an alert, she knows how to swipe it. And I don't know if she just picks it up because we watch it or that's how like intuitive these phones are. But it is sort yeah. of weird that the, the, all this technology and they're making it so children, like literally they're making it like so children can, can, can use them properly. But then you have people our age going, I don't know how to get, where's my, I don't understand the thing. And so you need to give your phone to your three-year-old and let them play with it for a day. They'll be able to reprogram it. It'll be great. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Michael, so you uh, were telling me before we started the show that you started as a home brewer. Uh, a hack home brewer at that. Well, uh, yeah, home brewer. Yeah, it's <laughs> basically the same thing. A friend, a friend taught me how to home brew. We did, uh, you know, first extract batch maybe back in like 99. And I got hooked. I, I just couldn't believe because I had I'd had bad home brew in college. I mean, like sure. really bad home brew. Yeah. And I had never considered that it might actually taste good. And we brewed this beer. Uh, did all the things, the carboy, got to come over to transfer, bottling, which, you know, packaging beer sucks, whether you're a home brewer or <laughs> there's no fun in packaging, but but we, we bottled all this beer, took it out fishing a couple weeks later, and it was so damn good. And I, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, I made this with my own hands. And I kind of got hooked. And it wasn't too long after that, I tried to tackle, um, with limited success, some all grain brewing, but I just kept going uh, because I I found love in having having those four ingredients come together, and then two weeks plus or minus having something shareable with your friends and family. It just it was magical, and it it still is magical. It's just a hell of a lot easier on scale now. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it funny that home brewing is actually way harder than commercial brewing? Oh, it's, it's so hard. Um, one of the mountaintop mashers is my neighbor, Shannon, across the street. And I'll go over mm-hmm. and walk him uh, brew and we'll hang out. And I can't believe how hard it is to get any liquid to move anywhere. Uh, yeah. I'm spoiled. You hit, a, you hit a PID and you've got what you need. I mean, it's just, it's, it's really nice to brew commercially. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I remember my first batch. I fired it up and I was just like... Oh my God, that was that. I mean, everything, not that it went super smooth, but it was so much easier. <laughs> it was really striking. 
there is that there, there is that that high end homebrew market um, that is sort of you know bringing those uh, problem solving yeah. pieces of equipment to the homebrewing scene. Um, I think I was talking on our last Doctor Homebrew last show doctor. about um, I'm I'm starting to homebrew again. I don't know why I'm just starting to homebrew again, but I don't want to do anything. Like I have a a, a, a you know, three tiered gravity system. It's partial. It's a Morbier 1550 is what it is, um, and you know there's a pump to move stuff around and whatever. But that's ten gallons. I'm 43 years old. I'm not trying to drink ten <laughs> gallons of the same beer anymore. I can't do it. I have like two beers a night. And I'm like, I better sit down, sit the rest of this day out. I can't. Um, <laughs> So, you know, so anyway, I, I'm, I'm going to one of the, uh, a brewzilla. I have a brewzilla for more beer. And uh, you just just getting back into home brewing and, and seeing what's out there for equipment, there's so much shit you have no idea. It's a brand new hobby. It's a brand, it opens so many doors, that, that barrier to entry of, uh, like what you're saying, Michael, where it's, it's it, people want it easier to transfer liquid or whatever you can you can do that now there's all sorts of fun little toys which is sort of cool about homebrewing there's always room for new shit to be made i think some of the fun out of all those gadgets we built though you know <laughs> right. build the better false bottom out of copper tubing because you thought it was a good idea and four hours later you realize you're still not there but no. it was really fun to get there yeah for sure well now it's just now it's just christmas now you order the better false bottom and you can open it. So you still get the dopamine hit, I think. <laughs> but you don't have to, you know, spend a hundred thousand dollars on copper these days. So so when you were homebrewing, you said you had really bad homebrew. Was it was it your homebrew? Was it your friend's homebrew? Uh, no, the, the bad homebrew I drank was back in college with uh, <laughs> stuff. And you know, it's college, you're underage, you drink anything that's put in front of you. Yeah which I've learned is not always a good idea anymore. So (laughs) we all grow up eventually, right? Yeah. (laughs) But no, I I started homebrewing and uh, I'm not a great brewer. Um, I'd brew a good batch and I'd brew a bad batch. I try to learn from it. Uh, But I was never one of the great brewers. Uh, You know, you do the club competitions and things and sometimes you rank high and most of the time I'd be in the middle of the pack or low. So as we started formulating Mother Road Brewing Company, we knew from the very beginning that I wasn't going to be the brewer or the brewmeister or whatever title, you know, every brewery picks. <laughs> sure. Um, and in the early days when there were three of us, yes, I did brew. Um, I washed kegs. I tended bar. We did all of those things in the early days yeah. because that's how we ran. There were so few of us. Um, but as we got a little more advanced with more uh, barrels of output, uh, we started refining our lab and bringing in people that really knew a hell of a lot more than I did. And that's kind of the way we've grown now. We just uh, celebrated our ninth anniversary last week. Wow. Congrats. And I wish to be the dumbest guy in the room. Yes. I just have to ask <laughs> a question uh, because I, I really have been surpassed. I mean, we have Davis and Harriet Watt folk. Uh, you know, we've got lab people that, you know, were working in white labs prior. It's, it's amazing the amount of, of smart talent I have surrounding me that really makes the brewery go far better than I ever brewed in those early days. So it's, it's pretty cool. So yeah, I know my place. I, I, I brewed, I had my boots, um, but I don't get on the brew deck as much anymore unless I'm 
talking with the crew and hanging out uh, more socially. It is far better for our beer and what is in your can that I don't do it. <laughs> you step away. A thousand guys are so much better than I ever was. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I respect that you recognize that from the beginning. Because not a lot of people do, and you're right, your, your beer is going to suffer. If you're really getting into the industry because you want to make great beer, but you know you, ha- you have to know your limitations, and you have to know that you suck, <laughs> or at what level your suckage is at. Because if you're making terrible beer, um, but if, and that there's also a, a point where you have to know that the people around you aren't lying to you. Because, you know, as a home brewer, if you just give your beer to your friends, they go, oh, man, this is really good. And you're like, no, this, yep. this literally tastes like chewing tobacco. This is not a good lager. <laughs> what are you talking about? Because um, you can get in that feedback loop, right? But, it, uh, you know, did you have people like that telling you, hey, man, you're not really – what you're really good at is not this? Um, yeah. it, it was kind of funny because uh, the critique at the uh, homebrew club was really um, – Brutally honest. And I think that is, I think that's something that's been a little bit lost in professional brewing now. Uh, it's very interesting when you're out. If someone, you know, people have told me, you know, a couple of years ago, we had a batch that uh, before we were running BDKs, it had diastole in it. We blew it. We missed it on the forced diastole test. Our palates screwed up. And I was so happy that a fellow brewer told me, you have a problem in your beer. And it's like, thank you. That's what I want to hear okay. so we can connect. Um, but I find uh, a lot of brewers are a little too polite sometimes um, when they drink a flawed beer. And I'm, I'm not talking beers that we disagree on, you know, the recipe formulation or the hop profile or any of those things, but that has a, a, a flaw in it. And I, I find that a lot of folks are, it would be more helpful to the brewing industry if we discuss those a little more openly. And I know that's a tough thing. Yeah, it's uh, Teresa. You can speak on that a little bit. Do you get? Do you have the same, you know, vibe or, or because? Yeah, I mean, for sure. It's it's so often that someone will give a compliment rather than a criticism. I, yeah. I really value the people who do, you know, speak honestly when they find something. But I I remember a couple of years ago I con- confronted a newish brewery because one of the owners was a friend, and I said, you know. You might find otherwise, but you should check with your brewers because we all taste like this is a total diastole bomb. And uh, they didn't take it well at all. I was really surprised. I was like, um, I'm trying to help you out here. You know, it was like one yeah. of those rare moments. You're like, okay, I feel like it's going to be all right when I drop For this sure. bomb. <laughs> we're buddies. We're professionals. It we're in the same. It. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I totally get why people are afraid to say something. I mean, I, I remember getting a, a beer and I was sitting with the owner in the company and I, it had diacetyl in it. And I was just like, oh, you know, I, I can't even like bring this up. I can't dump the beer out. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. Well, what did Sam Calgioni say when you told him? Yeah, <laughs> I, he, I just made that up. It wasn't, it happened. It didn't he's happen. like, I don't even see you because I'm so fancy and wonderful. <laughs> like, yeah. Your your problems are not my problems. That's true. That's what he said. No. Yeah. Yeah. Sam, Sam's a good, great guy. We're super good friends. Anyway. You had to learn that discreet under the table pour or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, where's the dog? That's right. Like, Too bad you can't feed your beer to dogs, man. 
Here, drink this. <laughs> yeah, honesty. No, I mean, it's it's a constant thing, and that's why I always advocate entering in all the competitions. Yeah. The, your beers that are important to you because then you'll get that unfiltered feedback you know they they don't know who you are they don't care and they're not trying to save your feelings they'll give you all the feedback you want well i i think it's harder too because you know you you want to <clears throat> for me like if i went to your brewery michael i would just want to be liked so i'm gonna go oh wow this is <laughs> hell yeah brother this is great i love it and i'm not gonna go like well i don't know is there like a thing i don't know um but if you ask me then I'll tell you. So I think it is. Oh, JP, it, it if is hard. You ever come to my brewery and taste bad beer? You better just throw that glass down and like. Oh yeah, uh, raise all the red flags. Well, y- y- I know you already like me, so that's fine. <laughs> We're already friends. That's what you think, <laughs> Kim's know. face. We just met, so there's nothing at stake. If that's one right. of the beers sucks tonight, you I'll tell you. Tell me. I will. Okay, <laughs> I will tell you. And that's good that we can clear the air and get this out of the way. Now we can start the show. This is all pre-show. I'm not even recording. So now, <laughs> I'm I'm fairly confident there's no diastole on there. <laughs> <laughs> the lab's got that dialed, so we're we're good there. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's it's a good it's a good uh, you know way to just sort of make sure that your beers are on point and. You know, I, I do you find value in like Untapped or some of these other rating things? Do you read that? Do you get too into the weeds with that kind of stuff? Is, is this the point where I don't say anything because I'm trying to keep positive? <laughs> um, I just honest. I don't know. You can lie if you want. I'll never know. No, I mean, here's the thing. I I would rather. Untapped has got its place, and I know people liked it. You know, they go after the badges, and the, they love to collect beers and things. And that's a cool part of the craft beer world. And mm-hmm. I, I love that. Yep. Um, do I rely on that for our ratings? No. Okay. Um, I'm and, relying on the lab. I'm relying on yep. suitability for service. I'm relying on our community tasting panels that we pull in. Uh, and ultimately, I'm, I'm relying on the guest coming into the tap room or the consumers, which trickles into the IRI and the Nielsen data, to tell me if we're doing well or not. Uh, so untapped, you know, some of our beers don't fit a proper mold of, of what that might be stylistically. And, and we've come to the conclusion that that's okay. Wow. It's okay to do these beers um, if guests are enjoying them, if we're enjoying them, and if they're coming through the lab okay. So Untapped is, it is what it is. I, I think it serves an interesting place in brewing, but. That's a fine response. Yeah, that is very diplomatic. <laughs> very. Yeah, he's going to be on, on Biden's cabinet in a second. Uh, I mean, and, and you know, you're absolutely. I might tell you what I really think. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it, it's, it, I think that is a very good answer. Because uh, I like to dump on uh, Untapped mainly because there's a lot of people who just have no idea what beer should even taste like, or much less what a style should be. Uh, they're after the badge chase, and that's fine, you know, whatever. That that's you know. But I also have a lot of brewer friends who rely on that as their source of feedback. Um, but it sounds like you have so much sensory analysis going on within the brewery that you don't need to do that. So it's best to just sort of, you know, leave it as a fun playground and not really get into the dark side of, of reviews. <laughs> it, it was a thing in the early years. I, I probably obsessed more than I should have mm. quite honestly Yeah. Uh, with that. And then some of the Facebook groups, um, there was an oh. Arizona uh, Facebook group on beers and they were very catty, and very harsh. Yeah. 
and I'd obsess. And then the best thing I did was I finally decided that I wasn't going to read those anymore. Yeah. I wasn't going to read untapped. I wasn't going to have our social media people monitor now. I don't have to see some of the negativity. Um, because I, I think some of the folks out there can be very good with their reviews uh, that are good tasters, uh, BJCP or, 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 or similar. Uh, but some of the folks, you're right, just they're out there doing the thing and trying to make waves. And it's, it's not fun to read that as a brewer when you no. pour your whole life and soul into what you make. It's not fun to say this sucks. Yeah. But then they say this sucks. They rate it one star and then they're gone. And you're like, well, what was that? <laughs> not helpful. Well, and it, yeah, it's in, and, and those are generally the vocal minority, you know, because a lot of people aren't going to go out and, and rate it. And that's the thing with, with rating sites and online being online in general is you're going to go and say, you're actively search out a way to say something negative, but you're not going to do that to say something positive. It's, it's much more yeah. rare to find that. What's a community tasting panel? Because that sounds like you're giving free beer away. And I love that. So, uh, part of our recipe development has been, uh, to offer, uh, the, the TTB is not listening, right? No, yeah. no. They, we've definitely blocked their IP address. Yeah. Good, 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 yeah. Good. Um, what we've done is uh, offered 10-ounce tasters uh, to guests, um, typically on um, the weekends, because we get a good cross-section of our Phoenix and Tucson visitors coming up, uh, as well as our, uh, our local regulars. And we just give them a rating card. Uh, they go through, they rate it. Um, what do they like? What don't they like? Um, in the case of our Tower Station, which is our, our largest selling beer, that was a six-batch uh, run, and every two weeks they were tasting a new batch. Hmm. Did you like hmm. one versus two, two versus three? And it was fun, and we weighted their input equally with the founders and the brewing team. And so it was a fascinating way to get very visceral feedback. Um, not that I always wanted to hear it, um, <laughs> Uh, but right. you know you have to hear that yeah. to improve. So yeah. that was uh, that was kind of what we do with our community program, and it's fascinating the data you'll get uh, when people are just kind of loose and free. I think it's a great idea. I've and I don't think I've ever heard of that. Teresa, have you heard anything like that? No, I no, I great. can't say I have. That's, That's great. Super cool. Yeah, I love well, it. I'll give credit where credit is due. That was Campbell Morrissey, our uh, most recent director of brewing ops. Uh, that was his idea, and we kept using it. It's really a great tool for us um, in the tap room to test things out. How does it guide? Well, talk about getting your community invested in what you're doing. You know, it's like you're a decision maker in this process. So, you know, that that would be really like such a good community builder. For sure. What kind of stuff would you would you see? I mean, is it anything you can imagine? Like, ah, oh, it's too bitter. Or it needs more of this. Or people are brutally honest. And they tell us what they think. You know, when it's the home brewers or um, fellow brewers, yeah, they'll, they'll very specific mile markers of where they think we should take. Sure. You know, the green bill, the hopping, the bittering, whatever it might yeah, be. That's a home brew. If it's the general public, that is the most fun to read because <laughs> as much as we're all beer geeks here and we love our beer and can talk about it forever and ever. The thing you have to remember is a lot of people are just coming to be social at a tap room and enjoy a pint, or they're mm. going to the grocery store and they're picking up a four pack, a six pack. They're not as into the geekery as we are. 
And so it's so much fun to get that raw, honest, I want more strawberry flavor in this, or it was too bitter or not bitter enough. And then trying to see if there's a baseline. And sometimes the data is a little useless and you do a scatter plot and you can't get a damn thing out of it. But sometimes we get very clear uh, delineation saying this was too carbonated. We lost some of the flavor and we can make those changes. And that's really cool when you get, you know, the layperson off the street that's really the one that's actually buying our beer, especially right now with COVID off the shelves and keeping all of our breweries alive right now. It's really important to listen to them because they are the ones that are signing my paycheck at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think, you know, with, with, uh, especially with brewing, with something like this, where, you, where you're so vested in it, every batch you're tasting, you're analyzing, you have a lab on site, you know, you're, you're really into it. But to have people who aren't, I would imagine it sort of brings you sort of back down to earth, or at least it clears some of the weeds out and you, reminds you that this is, at the end of the day, it is just beer and people are liking it. Not everyone needs to be as obsessed about it. You want to make the best product possible, but also not everybody is like cracking the beer and taking detailed notes. And I, I, I think that sort of would be refreshing, no pun intended, I guess, to hear, you know, to remind yourself that there's still just beer drinkers out there who, who like it, um, you know, who like what we're doing. And we don't need to really focus on, you know, too minute of a detail. So true. <laughs> so, how many times have we, I mean, I forget to do this sometimes when I go into one of the other uh, breweries here in town or anywhere when I travel. Sometimes you just have to turn it off and say, I'm enjoying a pint. God damn it. I can never do that. They've ordered food. They've <laughs> ordered the soda. We're enjoying a day out in someone else's tap room. Yeah. And to not be constantly thinking about what went into the into the glass. What does that feel like, dude? I've I've never done that in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm constantly looking for what's wrong or how much this sucks to complain about it later. <laughs> I just I don't know why I'm I'm disturbed. <laughs> well, uh, give it a go sometime. It, it, <laughs> it, um, I, I was up at. Uh, Draft Brewing up in Pagosa Springs a couple weeks ago. I love that. Yes. Right on the river. They just, the, this patio's down there. You're just, your stones throw from the river. It's hard to try to get critical when you're drinking a very tasty beer. The sun's shining on you. You've got poutine on the table. Oh, and it's Jesus. delicious. And the river's there. And there's fishermen and kids throwing rocks. You just have to enjoy it for the moment that is. And yeah. beer is part of that moment. Yeah. Tony, right? That's his name. Yeah. Right. I don't know. I, I didn't, I didn't meet the brewers up there. It was the first time I'd been there. Oh, okay. God, I I didn't meet any of them. We just stopped in and it was just such a delightful experience. God, I mean, we had him on the show, but I've known, I, I, this is going to sound stupid, but I've, I've known what's his name for years. I think I used to sell him home brewing equipment years and years ago. (laughs) <laughs> and uh yeah he, he was on the show great beers and the location sounded amazing but yeah you're right there are there are certain places where you can sort of just settle in and not worry about it but i haven't found that yet well try it next time living in the moment i will i will uh let me but take he doesn't a- really leave his house much though anyway so he's not one of those types of people that can like go somewhere for the atmosphere he'll go for no. one thing and then if it's not exactly what he wants he's yeah. like all right peace out this is why i stay home for three months at a time that's right this is why Kim understands me. Maybe Kim and I should get married. Kim, will you marry me? It's only because we have the same neuroses. 
Yeah. <laughs> Those are good albums, too. Uh, let me take different kinds of anxiety disorders. <laughs> let me take a quick break, and uh, we'll come back, and we'll uh, we'll get into some beer, actually, with Michael from Mother Road uh, Brewing Company in Flagstaff, Arizona. Hang on, everybody. It's the session. We'll be right back. It's time to talk beer and chew bubble gum. And we're all out of gum. The Session. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's The Session. We're on with Michael from Mother Road Brewing Company, or Mother Road uh, Beer, whatever you want to do. MotherRoadBeer.com. I personally am drinking the Sunday Driver American Lager. And we were just remarking at the break here, uh, the reuse of cans. So you on the video can kind of see that yellow, bright yellow at the top is the old can. And there's just a label wrapped around it, which is the darker orange. Why is that? I mean, I can uh, guess, but I love it. Welcome to the age of no cans. Uh, it's uh, it, it's been a tough year. So, so one is we have a supply issue of getting cans in. Uh, yeah. Even getting uh, bright cans has is, is been a little tough right now. But um, more to the point, uh, the beer went out of print. So that was one of our old labels. Um, we goofed. We overordered 25 pallets from Ball and had all these labels. And one of our values is resourcefulness. Yeah, I mean, it, it 12 cents a can, you don't want to throw it away or recycle it. And so we chose to do that. So that particular beer is a taproom only beer. So we have little signs in our taproom that are telling you, here's what we did and why. Uh, we're very upfront with our community to, to tell them, you know, yeah. why something looks a little bit squirrely or goofy. Uh, but I just couldn't throw away a perfectly good can, especially when we can't get any cans. So this, is, this was our solution. Oh, well, I think it's great, and I've I've heard that the twelve ounce cans were hard to get, but the what are these sixteens? I thought these were easier, but apparently that's sort of not true anymore. Well, we're on allocation, and we're on oh. allocation during growth. So, got it. Do I want to burn any allocation with something that's a, a smaller release taproom only? I don't. That just doesn't no. seem wise. Right? Yeah, man. Reduce so you use. actually you actually have can contracts at this point. They're not contracts. Ball has just told us um, we have an allocation in 2020. I got the email oh. uh, last week and I had no clue. Hmm. So um, it's it's tough times. So we've been yeah. bodging things together with some sleeves, uh, some painted. Uh, sometimes they're like that where we put a pressure sensitive label over the top. It's mm-hmm. It's wild times, but right now with the package being so important, uh, we just can't we can't not have it out there. Yeah, uh, on premise in Arizona suffered pretty badly. Uh, we still have a lot of our independents are are not reopening yet. It's been a tough time to move kegs and draft, as as everyone knows. So yeah. anything you can go in a can and get into the hands of someone safely at curbside delivery or through their local uh, liquor store or grocery store. It's a good thing. It's a yeah. really good thing right now. Yeah. How are you guys dealing with, with the COVID? I, I don't, I'm not too familiar with, with how Arizona handled, you know, like if there was a shutdown, it was a mandatory thing or whatever. I hear in California, there was a shelter in place. Um, but, you know, I was talking to some breweries who, they were back up producing beer within a week because they were, um, um, 
what's the term? Mandatory or uh, essential businesses. You. Yes, they were essential businesses. So, like uh, Matt at Danville Brewing, he was back in there like a week and a half, just brewing beer because they had beer sitting in the tanks. You know, it was weird. Mm-hmm. How did you guys uh, deal with that sort of initial strike and 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 pushing through what's happening now? We got lucky. Um, Arizona's got a pretty good guild going, um, and we have, quite frankly, a very good lobbyist um, who had the governor's ear. Uh, so we were exempted as a food producer, okay. which I love. Sure. Bread in a can, right? Yeah. Uh, food producer. Yeah. Uh, so we were able to stay open on the production side, but our hospitality uh, in the two tap rooms had to close. Uh, they did allow us to go to go only, which was a really nice carve out to that exemption. And I'll tell you, you want to be humbled um, Flagstaff has maybe 75,000 people. It's a pretty small town. If you want to be humbled and see a line 10, 15 people deep waiting to get to go beer with you and waiting on the curb for you to put it in their trunk. Wow. Uh, I have never felt so supported and loved and felt like craft beer is such a part of your community with all of these people supporting us um, during that, that first run where we just couldn't open up any hospitality operations. Um, there were days we had higher volume, higher dollar revenues on to-go beer than with guests coming in and enjoying, uh, you know, food and beverage and, and the whole work. So wow. it was, it was very humbling uh, to know that our friends and neighbors supported us. And it's the reason that we're still open. Um, that cash flow was excellent. And I, I hope that's the majority of breweries. I know some are struggling right now and, I hope most of us can make it through this. It's been it's been difficult. Um, luckily for us, uh, we decided to buy a food truck, uh, which has allowed us under the governor's executive order to serve again. So we're open at our downtown brewery, which was our original brewery, uh, with full food service. Uh, we're not just doing bullshit bag of chips things at some bars and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do and say i'm a restaurant here's a uh here's a actually we saw one bar do lunchables oh jesus christ oh gosh oh god like you kids don't eat those things i mean come on (laughs) but lunchables doesn't really seem to jive with like the craft beer sort of ethos right Mm, Ritz cracker and baked cheese. Yeah. <laughs> but our but our but our malt is floor malted, and only the most succulent of uh, you know mosaic hops are introduced delicately into the wort. But here's processed meat product. Yeah, I definitely won't name any names, but there was one place around here that was serving a meatball. Like you could buy a meatball, they would put it on your ticket, and then they would say, "Are you sure you want the meatball?" And you could refuse the meatball. Oh my! But it was on your ticket, so you bought it. Oh my god! I it thought is, that was pretty funny. It is funny, you know, but more with the spirit of the law, which you know, yeah, there's a first time for everything at Mother Road. So this was the you know, <laughs> people want to turn around on this one. Um, yeah. And Oliver, our director of people and culture, uh, he spent a great deal of time on the restaurant association, CDC, WHO, getting everything right. So we would make sure that our guests were as safe as possible 
if you want to laugh, we did a little uh, kind of like a 1920s uh, theme with Bruce Reel about what to expect when Mother Road reopened. Oh, that's uh, excellent. Shows our table spacing and the sanitizing. Uh, but it's a little weird because you'll hear the iPads chime every half hour and then staff scatters out with the sanitizer and wipes all the common touch surfaces. See, it's, it, it, it's changed everything. That's great. Labor on, but I feel as the best we can do right now for the science we know now, I think our guests and our staff are about as safe as we can do with what we know right now. Yeah. And that's, that's as good as I can do. And uh, the crew has been really good with helping us do this. Great. That's cool. And, and, and I, I like the, uh, you know, the, the video, I haven't seen it, but it sounds great because that's through this whole thing. That's what I've been saying. I, I want, if, if I'm following your social media, I want to see how you're doing shit. I don't want to just hear about it. I don't want to hear like, oh, we wipe the counters down every four seconds and we're really cleaning. Everyone has masks. We promise. I want to see it just because that's me. If I'm going to risk going out just to get beer, then I want to know that you are taking it as seriously as I take it. So I, I appreciate that from somebody who's you know nowhere near your brewery, unfortunately, because um, I'm sure there are other people like me who will go in there because of that video, because you have shown your process behind it. And it's it's consistently following that too. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have your mask, your bandana, whatever you choose to wear, enforcing it with the guests. Um, it is Arizona, uh, so <laughs> we do have some. Uh, Hot political uh, yeah. tension sometimes out here. Uh-huh. With masks, no mask. Wait, tell me more about that. I don't know. I haven't heard of, of Arizona, you know, in the last week or two. So I don't know. <laughs> Stop. Yeah, you know. <laughs> He's full of shit. I, I don't know what the hell happened when, um, you know, science got hijacked by politics. But we're not going there on this, right? We're not we're going there. there. Not enough time, unfortunately. Yeah, that's a rabbit hole that just has no bottom. Yeah, for sure. No party, right? Yeah. It it has been interesting to have our our hosts actually enforcing the mask rule and trying to be as polite as possible. Uh, We finally just started buying a bunch of masks for guests that were not playing along. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's all you can do, man. You got to keep your people safe, too. You know, and that's the bottom line. And uh, it sounds like you're doing that and, uh, you know, and more. So that's cool. Uh, tell me a little bit about opening the, the brewery. I read online that the building you guys are in was built in the 20s. Yeah. Or so. so is that Does that sort of play? Because you do have that sort of 20s, like I said, like the sepia tone, you know, promo photos on the website. Did did the building age play into into that or... Or was it, you know, planned before that? Um, multiple things. Okay, so, good. I like that. Open in the questions. <laughs> yeah. So single mom when I was growing up. Uh, so my grandparents, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents. Uh, my grandparents were part of a car club. So I came by motoring naturally. Uh, I love wrenching on old cars. Um, greasy wonderful under cars is fun, which translates pretty well to brewing, uh, you know, repairs. Yeah. So that plus, um, so we started looking and no one had taken, um, really a route 66 name at that time. And we wanted to just be a half jump off. So we said, okay, what about mother road brewing, which was John Steinbeck's name, route 66 and the grapes of wrath. 
you know, steal from the best, right? Right. I mean, if you're going to you know, steal from the best. Well, I just to interrupt you. I, I like so, I so, like that you said you want to be a half jump away from from the obvious choice of Route 66 brewing or whatever, right? I, I like the little, it's a little more subtle and it makes you work a little bit more to figure out what's going on. I like that. I think it's really neat. We got lucky in that the, um, it was the Milam Laundry Building. It is on the 1926 alignment of Route 66 through Flagstaff. Oh, wow. My bike is right where, you know, people like the Joad family would have been heading out uh, west looking for that better life in California. So it's it, it's very cool to be in an old building like that. Uh, I actually would have filmed from down there, but we're under renovations. We decided, you know, if everything's up in the air, you might as well just uh, throw some more into it. And uh, we're renovating the original tap room and brewery right now. So it wouldn't have been much to see in there except piles of things and dirt and whatnot. <laughs> But that's that's really where the name came from. We got lucky into mm-hmm. the building, okay. um, and it's it's a magnificent old laundry building, big drains, uh, big gas lines, big electricity, big water, everything a brewery needs. I mean, you can't build a better building. And as we've been exposing more of the beams, we're kind of considering that we may not put it all back together. We may leave a lot of that skeletal structure out to show those beautiful trusses and that craftsmanship of 1925 yeah exposed beams man i love that shit you know and if we want to be a stereotypical brewery we have to have some exposed beams and some variable light bulbs yeah so the edison it, light bulbs right. and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure man uh you you mentioned you have two locations uh one's called the butler brewery and one is the downtown which came first downtown was first okay uh, we had a 15 barrel franken system in there uh, it came out of, uh, it was the Majestic Brewing in Louisville, Colorado. It got moved to Silver City, New Mexico. We bought it there because it was sitting on a public parking lot and the price kept coming down, coming down because they were the parking lot. So the owners, they, they couldn't pull the trigger. Um, they just got cold feet or whatever on the brewery. And so they sold it to us for... I'm embarrassed it was next to nothing, but um, we hauled all this stuff back. I hired my first semi-truck and a crane. I'd never done that before. Hauling <laughs> it in and it's like, here a truck shows up and a, and a crane to load your stuff. Yeah. And uh, we hauled it back. Uh, most of the tanks, uh, the Whirlpool and the, the kettle are dairy pasteurizers. They're, they're god-awful, scabbed <laughs> over stainless, but they sure work. Um in the last year, we brewed uh, solely at downtown. We brewed 4,500 barrels out of this wow. incredibly little 3,300-square-foot place and managed to keep opening the tap room every night. So if you were at the bar, sitting at the bar, you could literally reach back and touch a 60-barrel fermenter. Oh, gee. Uh, we had oh, my to, gosh. We had to invent rolling shields so while we were cleaning and things were under pressure that the guests would be safe. Wow. Yeah, it was very, very dicey uh, until 18 when we opened the new Butler facility. Rolling shields. I love that that's your solution. <laughs> Just no, don't move. We're not going to do this at night. Uh, customers, you'll be fine. We have a rolling shield. <laughs> well, you can't just make 4,500 barrels at night. I mean, that's, that's a lot of beer. Man, no, that's was, awesome. I mean, you could. Two shifts a day. We still don't have an HLT over there. So, oh, God. Was, oh my gosh. We'd show up at, at 
four, four thirty in the morning. Yeah. And my kids still are asking when we get to go brew at that time of morning because they'd come down with me in the summers. <laughs> in the morning. But you'd you'd heat up your strike water. Yeah. Uh, you'd go ahead strike in, then you'd heat up your your sparge water, transfer it to the whirlpool, and kind of play this three card Monty thing with where's the water, where's the work. Oh my gosh. It was it was so squirrely. And I, I just can't even imagine that my first brewer he he probably still thinks I'm mad. He's up at home <laughs> doing very, very well. Okay. Uh, and such a good guy. I don't know how he tolerated working with me for so long. <laughs> Is it, do people have to sort of like pay penance at downtown before they move to Butler, you know, to like the nicer facility, I guess, so to speak, or, you know. So right now we only have, I think we have just one, uh, one of our regular shift brewers, uh, probably about to take a lead position now with us. Uh, he's the last of the the regular brewers that was downtown before we moved over. Okay. Because now we have, you know, we have touch screens. We've got a, it's a Forgeworks uh, 20 barrel system brewing into eighties. Oh, wow. Okay. 20 yeah. barrels. Nice. Nice. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Um, Nolan controls did all of our pneumatic valves. <laughs> and it's, it's such a different thing to just punch a button and a valve opens instead of smacking your head as you're crawling under something. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's so deluxe, um, and it's really taken a lot of the work out of brewing so our brewers can do what is important, which is make sure they make the best beer and go forward with the next innovations instead of doing all that miserable work that really was not necessary in beer. I know there's people that will argue with me that if it's hard, it tastes better. <laughs> I, I think it tastes just fine when an auger puts the malt in and when an auger takes the spent grain out. I think it tastes the same. Yeah, <laughs> I would imagine so, man. That's awesome. And, and there's the same thing in, in home brewing where, you know, the, the Pico brew and, and, and these automated systems start coming out. Um, people are like, well, it's not really brewing. You're pushing a button. I'm like, go to Firestone Walker, motherfucker, and watch how they brew. <laughs> they go, poop, and then they brew. Or go to 21st Amendment or go to any of these, like, semi-large or larger brewing, uh, you know, houses. This is how – this is. it's automated. It's just as automated. But, yep. you know, on the homebrew level, there's this, like, romanticism involved. And I think on the pro, on the pro side, you guys, you guys understand that none of that shit matters. It's, it's, it's repeatability and efficiency. Those are the, that's all. I mean, you can, you can have, you know, 12, I don't know, rocket ship engine. I, I don't know, man, whatever. Some weird, some weird out of context, like, a piece of equipment to help you brew. But it doesn't matter as long as it makes better beer than what you were doing without it. Mm. Consistency is key, right? Yeah. So I, I I cracked open the golden ale, which is uh, conserve and protect, and it, it, I, I get unusual flavors that are very good. It's like uh, I want to say corn, but yes. it's not corn. It's like um, it's like a deeper, it's like a deeper corn, almost like a wheat, like a weeded corn. If that makes any sort of fucking sense. <laughs> I don't know, man. A weeded corn. Yeah, I'm going to go with weeded corn, Michael. That's what I, that's the, we're playing name that ingredient. How about, how about some two-row in Munich as well? Does that, does that make you happy? Munich, yep. Then that's, then that's it, right? What's in this? What's giving it that, that sort of like malty punch for uh, a golden ale? It, it's, it's the Munich and then we used uh, Magnum and Tetanang and some cashmere for the hops. Mm-hmm. That's just a standard BSI 01 yeast. Straightforward. It's just two row in Munich. Mm-hmm. No corn. No corn. 
How much Munich is in this? I knew you would ask me that, and I I can't I can reach over to my right and cheat and put on my glasses. <laughs> this is this is the hard part of not being on the brew deck anymore. I don't remember the recipes <laughs> I used to. I could have told you every recipe. I would never look out uh, at weighing out anything because I knew what it was. But yeah. Uh, you're getting soft. Uh, you're getting soft, and you're yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, you should push back and say, JP, you should know just via the color how much. Well, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna. It's funny. I was gonna guess twenty five percent. I think there's a ton of Munich in here. I'm I'm guessing it's probably three hundred, seven hundred. That's gonna be my best guess. And if you really want me to look, I, can, I don't know what that means. All right, was that a ratio? Teresa, you're playing right in his hand. Do beer math. That's thirty percent for us math whizzes over here. See, (laughs) I mean, Munich in a golden ale is—I don't—I don't think is necessarily like all that common. But this is a ton. This is a lot of Munich, so it it definitely would stand out in a flight of other golden ales or whatever. And it does have a, a a bitterness to sort of carry through that malt, and it does wrap up really nice and sharply. Uh, bitter. I really, I like this. And it's, what is this? Do 4.3%? This does not drink like 4.3. This drinks like 5.5. Five. Because it's nice. so, it's so malty and like, and, and just the, the mid palate is so full. Uh, damn, you could drink a lot of this beer. It's a, it's a fun Man. one. And that one specifically, if, if you want to hold it up, if, if, if you would not mind being my, my Vanna White for a moment here. Um, Put my dress is, on. Uh, I'm, I'm really proud of this because this is an employee-driven um, beer. So what happened is one of our employees, she was drinking beers with her dad and uh, Caitlin, and she decided with her dad that it would be great if Arizona Game and Fish could get money out of doing a beer. And so in Arizona, Game and Fish is completely funded by permits and uh, licenses and uh, tax on your ammo. Hmm. So they don't get any general fund money, which in Arizona, there's, again, remember Arizona, politics, crazy place. Yeah. Um, So Game and Fish is completely self-supported. So we thought, what a great idea. Uh, She brought it to us. Um, Oliver Adams, our director of people and culture, took it and ran with it. And so now we brew this beer specifically in a dollar of every case that we sell or case equivalent in our case, because the draft beer also goes there, uh, goes directly to Game and Fish. Wow. And that's great. Never in my life would I have imagined that I would have ended up in brewing and ended up on stage with the governor of Arizona cracking a beer for our governor, passing it over my shoulder so he can do a cheers. Uh, to our brewery and the partnership of a private public partnership. Nice. So it was really, really an amazing uh, partnership. And it's taking us on a lot of adventures. Our crew's been out doing tortoise counts. Uh, We've banded hawks and it's further interesting because now we're starting to involve our distributor uh, crew as well as main accounts, getting them out onto all of this Arizona state land and seeing all of the on the ground conservation game and fish oversees almost 800 species in Arizona. So, so it's, it's a really cool win win. Yeah. And crews outside all the time anyway. So it was a natural for us. So you guys are, is it a volunteer thing or 
like through the partnership or you just go out because you want to? So they'll actually say, hey, we're going out here. Send some folk. Um, we'd like you to come out. It's been a little weird in COVID, of yeah. course. Yeah. As has everything. Um, <laughs> right. so it's been smaller groups going out, uh, but at least outside we're a little more protected and spacing, social distancing and whatnot. Okay. Really cool. Um, our crew actually got to see one of the largest tortoises ever recorded down on the Sonoran Desert. <laughs> and again, who thinks of that with craft Dude, beer? I mean, no. beer is so cool with the connections you can make. Yeah, exactly, man. It is. It is your if you if you do it right, and you're open enough, it's sort of like a, a great gateway to doing a whole bunch of stuff you'd never thought that you'd be doing. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's a that's a great beer. I I really uh, I really like it. I really like how different it is from other golden ales. Again, I would not think that that I wouldn't call that a golden ale, just because that's, how multi you, it is. What would you call it? I'm, I'm going to walk into the trap here. What would you call that one? I don't know, man. I, uh, uh, um, shit, I don't know. I mean, th- okay. This is this is this is my mind right now. First of all, uh, you know, a bunch of barking dogs. I don't know why. But um, and then a train crash. But then under all that noise, I'm thinking maybe it's a, maybe it's more like an amber ale, but it's not an amber ale because there's not a whole lot of there's not crystal malts in it, and you can taste that. So then it's not a pale ale because again there's no crystal malts or, or the, there's too much Munich to be a pale ale, and it's too bitter to be a pale ale. I think, but then it has to be a golden ale. Then then now it all makes sense. I had to go th- I have to go through. That uh, that sort of uh, you know gymnasium course to get to the place where I started at. Thank you for processing. Yeah, to do your mental Venn diagrams. Yeah, basically. Yeah. This are, it's not this. It's this. It ha- yeah, and it, that's that's sort of what we do on Doctor Homebrew, where we just judge you know homebrews and talk about it, and people send us beer and they go, well, what category is this in? And we'll sit for ten minutes going, I don't know. What do you think? And then it's a whole, but it's much more interesting when they do it. So, so to be fair, originally that beer was a Kolsch style ale, and we doctored, <laughs> we doctored and tinkered the last several months because here in Arizona, yeah, Kolsch was not selling. It just it wasn't moving. So we rebranded uh, with the new label and Golden mm-hmm. Ale because um, our research into uh, the consumer said that Golden Ale was known in Arizona hmm. differently than a Kolsch. So. You're going to raise money for someone you want to actually sell the product. So <laughs> right. there you go. Yeah, it's no fun <laughs> to hand over a giant sized check for thirty five dollars. That you don't want. You don't want to do that. <laughs> embarrassing. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Kolsch isn't really well known there. Is that is that part of um, uh, just a lack of beer education down there, or is it more of a taste preference? You know, I'm not sure. Um, I think a lot of it was lack of uh, knowledge of the style because mm-hmm. we get people asking for a Grolsch, a Grolsch, a Kolsch, a Kolsch. It was yeah. all sorts of weird things. Yeah. Uh, so in the end, we kind of we kind of abandoned the Kolsch moniker. Okay. Um, also, that that O eleven Eastern European ale yeast was just causing havoc because it wouldn't flock out, hmm. and so filtered. <laughs> forever yeah you know you know <laughs> oh i know <laughs> so so one of our like featured beers is a kolsch that's one of our best known beers i mean weirdly 
but it took a long time for that to happen, I think. And we're super stubborn. We don't actually filter our beers. We just find that we definitely do find the cold cheese doesn't want to flock out. It's so. <laughs> and you got enough problems. Yeah, you got enough problems, man. You don't want to deal with yeast like that. You know, I want yeast that works. Yep. Uh, let's take a quick break, everybody. Um, we're going to come back and we're, we'll, we'll wrap it up. I'll, I'm going to cruise through some of these beers here and um, talk a little bit more with uh, Michael from Mother Road uh, Brewing Company. Hang on, everybody. It's the session. We'll be right back. You're tuned into the session. Because life's too short to listen to crappy radio. Thanks a lot, everyone, for hanging out. We are back. This is the session. Talking with Michael from Mother Road Beer. And uh, I'm looking for, I'm rooting around in my cool wine fridge for another beer. Let's see what I can find. That's the golden ball. I think we have IPAs left, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, we, we really didn't intend to be an IPA house. It just happened. Yeah, I'm, you know, look, I'm not going to lie. It's, I'm a little disappointed by it. Um, what's better? Tower, what's better? What should I drink right now? Tower or Daily Driver? Tower Station or Daily Driver? So Daily Driver is what I drink a ton of because it's 4.8% and flavorful. Let's do that. Tower, however, is the number one independent selling craft beer in Arizona. So we're sure. not tower, but okay. I think that daily, because a little guy like me, you know, two towers, I'm tower housed, and I'm looking up at the bottom of the bar stool wondering what happens. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> then let's let's uh, crack open the number one selling IPA in Arizona, Tower Station. There you go. Now that I've hyped it up, you're going to be disappointed. It's going to be tragic. Yeah, well, look, basically, if it has the three letters I, P, and A, I'm already disappointed. But I'm going to overlook it because I'm li- trying to live in the moment. You won't. No, I won't. You have to explain it so I can, like, try to taste it. Um, well, it has, a great, it has a great aroma. It doesn't um, – I don't get uh, – I mean, I was going to say I don't get a whole lot of, like, the, the brighter tropical notes that, that you would expect in, like, current modern IPAs, but – there's the, if this makes any sense, medium level tropical notes. Like the, the way I think about aromas, especially with tropical shit like mango and whatever, right? There's there's three layers of it. There's the bright acidity, maybe the, like a, a green smelling mango. And then you have the middle part, which is, you know, the just ripe enough mango. And then you get the bottom, the darker aromas that are overripe mango. That makes any sense at all. This is how my brain is is wired. So I get a middle of the roads, just ripe, maybe perfectly ripe, uh, tropical flavor uh, aromas out of it, which I, I, I like. It's not a knock. It's uh, it's it's definitely in my mind. It sets it apart from other beers that are trying to pack a lot of these brighter top aromas in if that does that make any sense i don't know we should, okay so you can give your description and then michael can give us the real yeah 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 michael why don't you do that let's listen to kimberly for some reason and, and let's have you do that i must sound like an idiot i, I just sound like the dumbest and i'm a professional and i've been doing this for years i have several oh, shows JP. on tasting beer and i'm just i can't describe shit such an idiot. You must be feeling vulnerable. Normally, you would not let Shimki get away with 
like digging into no, right without resisting he's like okay yeah, yeah. it's all right it's all right even you a broken clock I, I only have to care about what's in my hand so whatever you perceive is what you perceive i i don't judge anymore you know you, it's so much fun what everyone tastes and smells and how it's different i mean i didn't know i didn't know dms for years until someone said overcooked celery and i'm like oh my god that's exactly overcooked what celery huh. <laughs> you know because normally it's like cooked corn or yep. you know some people say uh, hot garbage that's one that comes up in our sensory panel quite a bit Oof. when we train in uh new crew they'll they'll equate it to that but um no i i'm not i'm you know the, the can has what we thought it should say but you know what it doesn't matter it's what you smell and perceive. That's why beer's so much fun. Yeah, we can get this for you know ten bucks for four beers. It doesn't matter. That's, it's, it's a common drink. It's so lovely. That's why it's fun. That's what I tell my wife, or when we were really, I was sort of like helping her be your vocabulary. But we say this on on Doctor Homebrew all the time. You taste a thing. You're not wrong because that's what you taste. It might, and then we try to put a vocabulary term, a common term, on it. But man, as I'm tasting it and smelling it, I'm sticking by my my uh, my medium, perfectly ripe mango, um, you know, allegory or whatever. I'm sticking by it because I don't get a whole lot of overly pungent, um, or what I call try-hard hop flavors uh, or aromas. Rather, it's it's perfectly reasonable. It's a very, I don't say mellow, but it's a very uh, um, solid. IPA. It has a great aroma. It has a great flavor. It finishes clean. It's not on your palate. The, the bitterness isn't weighing on you. And it's, it's. I mean, look, if I could drink, if I could drink 7.3% pints, I would, <laughs> <laughs> I would, uh, even one, I would have another one. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's that kind of IPA, which I think is what you want. And I could see why this is the number one seller because it doesn't stick around. Even just right now, I mean, I maybe get like a little bit of a light apricot thing in my palate. It's good. It's nice. It's not bitter. It's not overly bitter. It's not. It's it's you know? Columbus Nook and Citra, and then we uh, dry hop with some Cryo Citra. Mm. Sounds super yummy, and it looks. It yeah. appears to be clear. That's I'm very clear. sure. I would love this beer. Yeah. No, yeah, it, it's. You nice. would. I think you definitely would, man. Haze to it, but. Uh, we well, not like haze, but not like haze. You know? <laughs> yeah. we, we actually we actually partially filter it for stability uh, to make sure that we get that consistent. Originally, it was an unfiltered, um, fully unfiltered beer. Um, we launched it five years ago, and we just we kind of hammered into that hazy craze without even knowing what the hell we were doing because I'm too stupid to be that smart. Uh, so we just. <laughs> We just brewed this thing that we liked. This was the one that went through the six um, the six renditions with the community uh. and our sensory internal panel. So, I don't know. It's a fun beer, and it's you know it's what eight ten recipe changes later with you know the different hop crops and everything that's changed over the last five years. But we sell the hell out of it, and it's still a tasty beer. It just I can't drink a lot of it. It's just seven three is that's it. A lot of beer. That's a lot of beer. I don't think there's a lot of people who can drink a ton of it in one sitting, but I can see that this is a reach in your fridge go to beer 
you just get off, you know, work doing whatever people in Arizona do and, um, you know, hike, I guess, or be active or something. And then you reach for something <laughs> like this because, again, it, it, it isn't heavy. It's not built like that. It, you know, there's some IPAs, I think, that are, are maybe purposely built to sort of be heavier and thicker and whatever. Um, but this does feel purposeful. It, it was, and it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a two-row uh, Pilsner, almost mm-hmm. 50-50. There's some Munich and uh, white wheat in there. And so we wanted to keep it really light. The original beer that led this one was one we called White Walls. That uh, was a, a taproom favorite. But the, the trouble with that beer and what Campbell kind of came in and helped us solve was that it had terrible uh, shelf stability. It just, the aroma sure. was gone in 30 days and the hops started dropping out. So we really needed to kind of rethink how that beer was gonna gonna play. And that was uh, that was what he and the team kind of started moving towards. Uh, my co-founder and I gave him some very rough uh, directives and he did so great with the team and then the community weighed in. It was it was a beautiful beer. It was really a it was when a committee of multiple people actually worked well. Okay. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> Man, you know, it, it does sound like you you have a really good balance between community input and brew house output. And and again, that sounds purposeful. And and you it seems like everything you're doing is with that purpose. Is that because you're able to step away from the brewery? You're able to to trust whoever you hired, so you can focus on managing stuff like that and sort of. <clears throat> what am I trying to say? There's multiple sides to owning a brewery. You're you're you know you're a brewer first because that's how you get the idea, and then you have to you know realize you suck at it, and, <laughs> and then you have to figure out a spot and branding and all this kind of stuff, and then managing community and, and whatever. But how do you how do you continue to tie in the community? Um, I think that sort of maybe makes or breaks your local impact. I'm going to disagree with you on that a little bit. Please do. I'm going to hang up on you right now. Okay, please do. Knock me out. Um, No, I I think community actually transcends. Mm -hmm. So, yes, we have the tap rooms and Flagstaff, and that's what starts us. But that's less than 20% of our revenues now. Um, what we've done is we've managed to build this community by, by kind of building the brand and the culture of Mother Road. And a lot of that was, yes, I don't have to be on the brew deck five days a week, 10 hours a day. Um, but I also don't have to be out in sales anymore. So I get the luxury of actually getting to be a CEO touching on various things. It doesn't mean when the conveyor goes down on the canning line that, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was wrenching the canning line. I still get to do those things. And they bring me great joy uh, to get to work with the crew um, shoulder to shoulder in masks. But it also has allowed me to say that we need a director of people and culture. We created mm-hmm. a whole new job that is people and culture. Oh, wow. Uh, Walter Adams, and he's a punk-ass 25-year-old. And Fuck, 25-year-old. Kids I know to come out of NAU that has managed all of our human resources and our people assets, but also building the culture to where we have whole roadmaps. If you stay with us 90 days, you're offered what we call county lines, and you can lay out your whole brew career or not brew career and how we can help you build that career out of Mother Road or through Mother Road. Hmm. 
uh, we have a thing called weekend uh, road trips. And so if you come to us with an idea of something you want to study and it will help the brewery in the long term, we'll write a check and you can, you know, whether it's a trip to San Diego to go research tap rooms out there and see what's going on at the cutting edge in San Diego. Yep, that's me. <laughs> or whether it's something as esoteric as Micromatic spears and how to control our inventory of kegs. We did a weekend trip for one of our employees to build our keg maintenance program because that's what interested him. Yeah, and and so I I think that culture and and building the team from the inside out is what actually makes Mother Road competitive and and has the advantage right now. We have great liquid mechan. We've got great design. All of those are important. But if we don't have the best of the best of people, we're screwed. And right now, I would say after COVID, we went from 39, we're back up now to 27, finally. But we have 27 of the best damn people in the industry. And I'm going to boast here. I think anywhere in Arizona, I think we've just got a stellar team right now. Um, And they're crushing it. And they're working hard in really difficult circumstances. And that goes from the host uh, that's pulling pints for a guest uh, right up to our, our director of brewing ops and everyone in between. It's it's humbling to see how much this crew has pushed hard to keep us floating and and excelling right now. Uh, yeah. We're on track to actually hold numbers with last year, which wow, with multiple months of closures. I am so ecstatic about. It. Yeah, it's crazy. The crew is just the crew made it possible. For sure. And your community is really stepping up and that's great. That's great to see. That is really great to see. What did you go ahead? Sorry. Sorry. Uh, I I just wanted to comment on Oliver's position that you even have someone like a people and culture person. That's what I do at my day job. And it's something that I don't think a lot of people know what the job is or the value in it. And I will say that a lot of big companies like Google has a position like that, but um, there are other big companies that that don't. But how significant those kinds of jobs are and what culture means and how to really work with all the stakeholders, you know, from the top to the bottom, bottom to the top and get buy in from all your staff and, you know, how invested your employees are and how that makes for a great work environment, but also like a great product and a great business. And so when I was um, emailing with you guys to set up this show and Oliver had his uh, his stamp on his email of like what his position was, I was amazed that a brewing company has one because as far as I know, I can't think of any other brewery that has a position like that, which I think just really speaks to how much you truly value your staff and how much they really help create the business it is that you're going for and what you want. And that's in the community. So I see where you guys put people first. And I think that's huge. It's, it's been a long road to get here. And it, it was that, it was that breakover, you know, we were talking about 2000 barrels a, a little bit when we were offline. There's a certain point where you can make really good decisions or really bad decisions. Um, depending, we did some of bull, but <laughs> going into people and culture was one of those good ones that really set us up for the future. I mean, we, we hire on culture now. 
we don't hire that you have the best pedigree as a brewer or the greatest skill set or you worked back to Dogfish Head, although Kristen does work for, she did work for Dogfish Head, but you, know, you don't have to have a pedigree to come work from out of road. If you love what you do and you've got a cultural fit with who we are as a company, we can teach you how to brew. We can teach you how to pour a pint. All of those things can be learned, but you can't learn our culture and what it means. I mean, our mission is to brew distinguished beers and build community one pint at a time. I can't teach that to someone. They have to come to that organically that, that somehow they're going to meld with that mission that is Mother Roads, and then we'll teach them the rest of the skill set that they need if they don't have it yet. Yeah, skills can be acquired, knowledge can be learned, but a good fit, you have it or you don't, and it sounds like you guys are really good at gauging fit. I know, you know, I make fun of Oliver on a regular basis. He's an L.A. kid and cups his pants and rolls his sleeves, but... Oh, shit. Yeah, what he does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and that's sort of a sentiment that that was echoed on our show a lot in the the you know late two thousand you know eight two thousand ten or whatever, um, where you know brewers started not looking for people who went to school, went to brewing school. Brewing school wasn't a, a focus for them. It was, do you fit in with our community? Do you fit in at the company? Because we, everyone can teach you how to heat water and put malt in the water. That's not that didn't really interest a lot of people, but it was more of what you're talking about is how 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 open are they to improving the community, to improving the beer. Uh, you know, how do they taste beer? How do they fit in with everybody? And and what sort of skills can they bring? You know, that way that that they're not going to learn in, in in the brew house or in the cellar or whatever. But it sounds like you're expanding on that. And you're really building. You're really building community. And we 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 say that a lot on this show because it's sort of like the buzzword. But I think you're really doing it. It's not just it's not just something on your mission statement on your website and then that's it. You know, like you you have a roadmap for. I mean, I, I, there's not too many. The, the the only brewery that comes to mind that does anything sort of like that, I guess, to give back is maybe like New Belgium when they were like, you know, you're five years and you get a trip to Belgium or whatever, but. You're, you're asking people what they want to do in the company and then actively helping them achieve those goals. I mean, that's you're, you're going to spoil these people for, for if they ever move and do something <laughs> else. They're going to expect they're going to expect that. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, there's people in their 30s and 40s who can't get their bosses to help them do that. You know what I mean? But here's what happens, though. When you give your people the ability to go, and, and give them that free reign. So about a year ago now, um, Greg and Clay, two of our Brewer Twos, which would be your, your, your kind of production brewing uh, crew, they started wanting to tinker with the mill because our efficiencies were not great. Uh, and they were running 85, 87%. So they conducted a three-month study, wrote a whole paper um, for, that we shared with everyone internally on the fine tuning of a four roller mill and the effects on gravity. And so after all this was done, I know you're laughing, you're laughing. I would have been like, get the fuck out of my brewery, dude. Mill the grain, (laughs) 88% is not that bad. Coming from a home brewer, that's fucking great. Mill it or or walk, dude. It got us up to 90 to 93% based on the coming in and the milling because they took all of this time 
slowly of three months of data gathering to make this happen. And these are these are like our shift brewers. I mean, they're, this is not me whipping the management and saying we must have greater efficiency or, or better revenues. This is someone that wanted to be the best. And these two guys just went after it and they improved our efficiency. That's great. And as you know, that that is a beautiful thing. And it, it helped us through COVID because that was last November, December. I think they published that with oh. internally, shared it with the staff. We shared it with all of our shareholders and our um, all of our stakeholders. And it was such a fun thing to read, to watch all their charts and graphs and how they came to this perfect solution. You are a parent. Like you are, you are, you definitely come across as, you know, and I, I'm sort of as a parent myself, I, I, I sort of noticed that quality in, in people that it's like you, you find a joy in watching other people learn that I don't think that you get normally if you're not, if you're not a, a pan, there's that parental joy. You, 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 you two know what I'm talking about. It's, it's like watching your kid do something for the first time. You're like, that's really cool, man. Thanks, but but it's 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 just the the subtext, I guess, of of them learning a thing um, without asking. It, it's it. I don't. know. That's the vibe I'm getting right now. The the, the pride in them doing something. It, it's funny. Um, my ex wife and I used to always call the brewery our fourth child, mm-hmm. and in some cases, that that is what it is. And I love I love our crew. They just they have this. Curiosity is one of our values as well. And they just, they love learning and doing better. And it's, That's it's cool. just such a joy because I, I would like to say that I have all the ideas, but I told you at the beginning, I'm the dummy in the room. These guys <laughs> are looking for ways to brew better beer. They're looking for ways to serve our guests better. Yeah, Our sales team is looking for how do they help the Telcel team at our distributor because it's COVID, they're they're selling over a telephone. How the hell do you help someone like that? And they're trying to come up with those ways to do that. That's not something I can do. Um, I'm one person. This crew, it's it's the heart of the company. It sounds like it. Uh, let me get so to. I'm thinking another product for you could be like Mother Road, uh, like mentorships. You could have people subscribe to. <laughs> people like me who own a brewery and aren't quite so awesome with our own people. Like a big brother, well, big sister thing. Oh I, yeah. Well, give me a call. I, I, I would be happy to share what we have. Um, that's one of the, the great things about brewers is we share amongst each other. I mean, we wouldn't be where we are without Lumberyard and Beaver Street Brewing just a few blocks away. If they hadn't helped us in those early days, whether it was filling out the broth or the, you know, calibrating the Zamenagel or all those silly little things that <laughs> you don't know as a home brewer trying to scale up to professional brewing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We would have been lost. And those guys helped us. And anyone I can help, always. Always, nice. always, always. Uh, you email, you call me. I'll give you whatever time you need because someone bigger, stronger, faster is still going to help me someday. And if I can help people not make the same mistakes we did, because we did a lot of mistakes, um, <laughs> like not got to where we are today. Um, if I can help someone avoid those pitfalls and get a little bit bigger and better, that's a good thing to do. Nice. Um, let's take some questions 
here real fast. The first one we, we have is from Ron, and he wants to know if uh, we can snag a homebrew recipe from you. Now, it's something that we used to do a long time ago, um, and then we sort of got out of it because no one ever had them. And, and, and I know it's a, a surprise for you, and, and uh, so I don't mean to put you on the spot, but if you can jog your memory or I don't know, you might have something. Here, here's what I'd say. Have have him email me, and I'll uh, I'll scale whatever it might be. Okay, there you go, Ron. Email I'll, Michael. I'll, I'll, I'll scale it roughly. Um, I'll I'll get out the old pro brewer and uh, scale it back down. Okay, that's yeah. great. I appreciate that. Um, Trevor says, "Are you going to continue the Cask Festival next summer?" Oh, that was you had crushing. A- be able to do that this year you had a cask festival first of all which is oh, uh, sweet that sounds amazing to me yeah um what we do is there's a there's a local um sun sounds which uh does programs for the deaf does a uh, big brew fest up here every year and so the night before we'll do the the perkin festival and we usually have 20 to 30 casks from Arizona Brewers and we go out on the parking lot and we tap them all with a big countdown and oh it's so much fun because uh, I so love good casks uh, but this last year it was obviously a no-go yeah if we can do it next year COVID vaccines all of that willing we will be back in June we'll try to do it again Okay. All right. That's good news for Trevor, I'm sure. Um, Ron, I imagine the same Ron. Uh, how big is the brew house? But I, th- I think you said 20 barrels, right? Um, and how much are they brewing for their test beers? Ooh. Um, so initial test beers come off of the original system, which is our 15-barrel Franken system downtown. Mm-hmm. And then if we start getting traction with those beers, um, we'll then scale them to a 20-barrel batch. Uh, no offense to my Franken system, but uh, the new system brews a lot cleaner. The screens sure. are much better on the uh, <laughs> right. false bottom. Everything about the brew house, there's a more efficient boil. It's just, it, it's a lot of fun. So normally we'll do a 15 barrel to start and then we'll run a 20 to 60 barrel secondary batch um, if we feel confident with the recipe and we'll, we'll scale that up and then can it and uh, keg it for the tap room what we call a taproom limited release. We just put the cans out um, in a taproom. Okay. Um, and then Keith, uh, one of our, basically our day one listeners, good old Keith out there, man. Good to see your name pop up. Um, says, can you please ask Michael what happened to the pop tops on Tower Station? Those were great! Exclamation <laughs> point. I knew that would come up tonight. <laughs> oh, son of a... Okay, so we had those 360 lids that would peel all the way off yeah. the top. Yeah, those are rad, man. Not many people have them, but they're great. They were awesome. Yeah. And they were absolutely delicious. They turned a can into a pint glass. Yeah. The trouble with them was, is we were finding pop tops on the disc golf course. Oh. And I was finding them at my favorite fishing spot down on Oak Creek. I would like to have blamed Mike Hess, who uses him on the uh, Solus beer. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to blame him, but I know damn well as the local hometown beer, it was our trash. And at that point, we couldn't do that to 
our community. It just, it wasn't right. Yeah. Um, God, you are from Oregon. We, we, yeah, I know. I hug my trees. <laughs> I like my air and water. What can I say? I don't know that anybody would like, even if it was like bottle caps, I don't know that anybody would go to that length of like changing the, the, the packaging to avoid, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like I say bottle caps is like, you would definitely know branded your name on it. I don't know that anybody would go to those lengths to, to, to change the, uh, um, the, the way that their beer is packaged essentially. Right. Are- our, our crew was seeing it out there, and then the river runners were complaining because we were seeing it in the canyon, and you just you can't do that. I mean, people mm-hmm. can pack a whole can back in, but you put it into two pieces, it gets a little tougher to do. Yeah. It was a, it was a tough choice. I loved the canton. I, I, everything about it, I absolutely adored, but at the end of the day, if we're causing litter, that's not cool. And that's not what craft beer and community is about. And so we had to pull it. There you go, Keith. It's your fault. <laughs> you ruin it for the many. <laughs> yeah, for Every sure. Every time. Uh, so I cracked your your hazy, which I think is the last beer that we have. It's called Limited Visibility, which I do think is a great uh, <laughs> it's a great name. Um, <laughs> I do like your artwork too. It, it is very you know obviously sticking with the theme, but this is like an old Studebaker, I think, crossing a the bridge 48 uh, Cadillac uh, coming across the chain of rocks bridge on 66 across the Mississippi. There you go. I'm sorry. I'm a nerd about history and stuff too. It's just yeah. what I do. Yeah. Well, that's good that you can translate it into, uh, into your beers, man. Yeah. We've got a great design team. This is the, the hazy. It's sufficiently hazy. Um, oh but- yes. Please describe this one for us, JP. Well, <laughs> It's a lot of baby vomit. No, I'm kidding. Um, but you know, uh, again, it's not it's not what you expect from a hazy beer in the nose. A lot like, and I'll spare you the 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 long drawn out method of how I figured out my smells. Um, a lot a lot like the 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 tower station where the aroma isn't trying to be super focused on because a lot of these beers, in my opinion, first of all, I don't like IPAs. I hate hazy IPAs. I think they're weird. But I respect the ones that are done well and I respect the fact that you can that you you're making things that are hard to do, that they're flaws essentially. But so you're sort of like putting frosting on a flawed thing. That's how I look at it and and it's no offense to anybody, but that's how I look at it. The frosting being the aroma. And I think a lot of these hazy beers people focus too much on the aroma because now all the all the science is there where you can make the beer hazy. Everybody knows how to do it. It's not that it's it's not that it's not hard, but everyone knows how to do it now. The the mystery is solved, the Rubik's cube is lined up, everything everybody gets it. But it's it's the aroma that I think people focus maybe too much on and then the 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 malt isn't there or the palate isn't there, the flavors aren't there. So you have these um these like artsy hops in the nose, but there's nothing there's nothing there to follow up on, but I think that's what people are chasing at a certain point anyway. I'm getting too far afield. So I don't get like the superstar fanboy hops in the aroma, but what I do get matches the the beer profile and it's it's a little more a little more subdued in the aroma than I would expect, but it delivers in the flavor. Does that make sense and does it come across like a compliment? I'm just going to take it as a compliment because I'm staying positive this year. Well, so. that's what I meant it as. So I just want to make sure that it comes because I'm not necessarily good at talking. 
<laughs> no, it's, it's, it's all good. And again, you know, Mother Road, one of the things... Here, I'm going to interrupt you right now for a second. I get more flavor hops out of this beer than I do aroma. And that's what I mean. You're not focused on just the aroma because I think too many people are focused on aroma with hazy IPAs. Yes, that is a big focal point. I'm not stupid. But there's 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 more in the flavor than there is in the aroma. And I appreciate that about this beer. You're tasting more of the hops than you're smelling them. Yeah, and that's uh, Columbus and Kashmir, uh, Matueka and Strata. So we kind of did a, a an interesting cocktail on this one, but this was one that's gone back and forth. We've been playing with this for almost, oh God, I want to say 18 months. Wow. Because I hate hazy IPAs. Oh, that's <laughs> And I know, go, I know. See? Because I, I think the true taste of a beer, if you do blind tasting, like, literally blind tasting it should taste good whether it's cloudy or whether it's clear it doesn't freaking matter right um but at the same time i also like having this thing called revenue so i can pay payroll and so sometimes you know we'll brew something like this and the crew will you know the, the crew rolls their eyes at me quite often usually not for my my beer choices yeah I say Cascade Hops, they definitely roll their eyes because, you know, 90s beer goes the next day. Right. But beers like these that sell well, and, and I'm not saying this is a bad beer, it's a, it's a tasty little beer. I just hate to be on the hazy craze. But yet this allows us to then play and experiment and do those weekend trips and get more knowledge going because this allows us to have the revenues to play on other projects that we might want to do. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's one thing that has gotten lost in craft beer. We want to do everything slow and methodical. And, you know, someone went out and handpicked with tweezers all of our hops and harvested <laughs> the grain. And that's not, that's not the reality. We're fighting for our lives in COVID right now yeah. to stay alive. And we have to be good business people first and foremost and great brewers at the same time. And so sometimes you make choices where, you know, this beer goes live um, at the end of this month with our distributor. I'm excited to have it out. I'm still proud of this beer, even though I roll my eyes at the whole hazy thing, but we have to have these beers to help us fund the next thing, to help us keep advancing craft beer forward. And so sometimes there's very weird choices between business and craft. Yeah, And if you want to stay open, you have to be good at both. And that's, I don't care, you go to an esoteric sour house, that's delightful. And I will be the first to line up and enjoy a whole flight. But is that a good business model right now? It is not. And that's the toughness of craft beer right now is it has to be both. You have to have great liquid in the can and be a good business person. And that's a, that's a hard thing for a lot of craft drinkers that want us to be those artisans. They forget that we have to be business people as well. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, I mean, it, it sounds like you guys, you have a good team going on. You're doing a balance of both. You're advancing your team. You're advancing the community. And you're, you're putting some pretty darn good liquid in the cans, man. And so uh, I, think that's, I think that's great. We're, we're trying we're, we're every day, one foot in front <laughs> yeah. of the other. 
Yeah, that's all you can do, man, especially now. And hopefully uh, by this time next year, things are back to normal and, uh, you know, Kim can go back there. Yeah, you're going to come back out to fly? Yeah, well, how far are you again from Tucson? <laughs> Less than four hours, depending <laughs> on how you drive, of course. <laughs> well, the thing, the reason I ask is because my parents are my DD and my parents live in Tucson. So whenever I go drinking in Arizona, my parents are the ones carting me around. So I just have to make sure that my DDs are on board. But my, but I found out about you guys because of my dad, actually. He does, um, he drives around for work and he was in Flagstaff and he sent me some of your cans, particularly the dog one, um, where it's like he put them together. The Perpetual Joy that we brewed with Yes. Him. Oh, that was yes. a delightful beer. A yeah. Lot of people liked it. Yeah, and I thought that was such a cool can. And then he ended up buying some of your beer, and I was like, "Well, how are they?" And he's like, "We really like their stuff." And he's like, "You know, I think that um, they're pretty consistent. Every time I have them, they're really good." And so, like, you know, um, I had one of yours when I was there in January. Um, I can't remember. Can't remember what it was, but it was good. And so he's like, "You know, it'd be cool if like you would learn more about them and get them on the show." I was like. Yeah, I'd be down for that. So I would love to go there. I've been to Flagstaff once, but it was years and years ago. So I'm due. Well, are you, are you going to be in Tucson around Christmas? No. <laughs> no. I am not getting on any plane anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a thing I'm doing down there. I was going to say we could drop some beer off uh, around the 21st and, you know, mule it back or something. But Oh, that'd be nice. No, I think well, everyone in California is staying put, I think. Hopefully. I don't know. We'll see. Michael. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Last it's, time I was in Arizona, things didn't go so great for me. So that's right. Kim, I have to be very deliberate with my trips now. Kim died going to the bathroom. So I died in Tucson. Yeah. But I was revived also. Kim died going potty in Tucson. And uh, that's that. we'll save the rest for her country album, which is titled... <laughs> Kim died on going potty in Tucson. But when you get to flag, I got to hear the story. <laughs> uh, Michael, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate you spending time and uh, shipping me the beer and I got the koozies and everything, man. I'm really, I'm really excited about it. Thank you very much. Uh, you can go to motherroadbeer.com to learn more about Mike and his beers and uh, all the staff there and all that kind of fun stuff. And then when things open up or if you're local to Arizona or local to Flagstaff, I guess, uh, definitely support them. Um, they're, uh, you know, I would say a community-driven beer uh, company and uh, they're, they're making some killer stuff. So if you're out in that area, check them out. When things open up, definitely put them on your list of, uh, of beer tours to go on because they're, the, the beers are very good. So uh, I appreciate it, Michael. Thank you very much, man. Thanks for having me. It's really cool to be on. Awesome. Thanks, yeah, man. It's cool. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Um, all right, everybody. Thanks a lot. And uh, if you want more information on, uh, on on how to brew, we got Dr. Homebrew. We got um, Jamil's Stupid Show. I don't even know what that fuck it's called anymore. Who knows? Did you guys hear Jamil's brewery got broken into? I saw the I thought I saw posted. someone with a weapon. Yeah. yeah some dude with a gun. Man, I guess he's. I haven't seen the. I've seen the post, but my wife is telling me she's. She's like, he sounds oh pissed in the post. I'm like, yeah, I would be too, man. Five o'clock in the morning, yeah. someone busts open your doors, and I don't know, man. That's uh, that's wild, but I know what's in a brewery. I mean, you know, it's a distillery too, so maybe booze. But also, that's a long way to. I don't know, man. There's there's more constructive places to break into than a brewery, I think. But that's just me. For sure. Um, All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. And uh, until next time, we'll see you later. Uh
Sky winning the race, JP does great as his chariot.